This is an ABC podcast. Squirting, that happens. Either that or I have just pissed the bed. To be with someone who really loves going down on you, like, it takes it to a different space. Full body tingles, shock, just walked away going, what just happened? And I'd never experienced that before. I think it's my reward for 15 years of bad sex. I think it's the prize you get. There's something that keeps happening to me, not all the time, maybe once every couple of years. A different friend will grab me, take me aside and tell me... So, Yumi, holy shit, you know how so-and-so and I broke up and I've been kind of dating again? I have been having the most mind-blowing sex of my life. I never knew it could be this good. I had no idea. And you know what? It makes me so goddamn happy to hear. So today on the show, we're hoping to make you happy too. We're going to meet three women who have gone from regular, vanilla, bog-standard, no-name brand white bread sex to... Next goddamn level sex. Yep, prepare to get the tingles because these people were stuck in the boring bowels of the game playing some very perfunctory bleep bleep bop bop ho hum yeah yeah whatever sex. And then they levelled up. And guess what? We are going with them. Yay! I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about next level sex. Mario spin-off Wario was into disguise, the women in this episode didn't want to be identified, so we've given them pseudonyms. I was responsible for my orgasms in my marriage. Meet player one, Mel. Mel is in her mid-30s and is thankfully no longer solely responsible for her own orgasms. She was married for 15 years and for a large part of that, the sex was, well, frankly, a bit shit. In one way, it was sort of non-existent, but at the same time, I can remember being mindful of trying not to have a sexless marriage. The sex we were having was entirely dissatisfactory for me. What was the routine of having sex with him? It was almost like if I was to have an orgasm, he would stop what he was doing long enough for me to give myself an orgasm and then he would finish what he was doing. So it's almost like you're two separate. Exactly. It was like two people focused on their own outcomes. It certainly wasn't a group project. And I really don't want to paint my ex-husband as a terrible person. I'm very conscious of the fact that he's the father of my children and we have a really amicable relationship. But at the same time, I'm aware that it takes two people to let a sex life become terrible. And also that he was terrible in bed. 
In hindsight, Mel knows they were never right for each other. The crime is that we spent so long doing the same thing. We should have had sex six times, acknowledged that it wasn't very good and moved on to the next person rather than gotten married, had two children and spent 15 years of our lives together doing the same thing over and over. Were you bothered by the sex you were having? Like, were you thinking, God, I think I want more than this? I don't think so. I have enough girlfriends to understand that they loved sex more than I did, but it never occurred to me that it was because their sex was different to mine. I just assumed everybody was having this version of sex and that they liked it more than I did. So I had assumed that should I not be in this marriage, I would have this same sex with the next person and the next person. The marriage ended and Mel thought she'd quit the whole relationship game for good. I come from a single parent family and so have a wonderful role model in what it can look like to be single and was quite happily resolved to being on my own. I mean, I also then looked in the mirror and thought, you know, maybe it was too early to retire and that I might like to have sex again, you know, just to check that maybe I hadn't missed what all the fuss was about. After some unpleasant dates with an enderman and a slippy toad, Mel found a promising candidate to be her partner in the two-player game that is shagging. I think it's my reward for (laughs) 15 years of bad sex. Mel's prize was Mark, which, by the way, is his real name because, funnily enough, he didn't mind being identified as the doer of good sex and the bestower of big O's. But it wasn't actually multiple orgasms from the get-go. We had a really lovely, you know, like, G-rated first date and then a really lovely second date that ended with a kiss that I just, like will never forget. I hate to say it, but it would have been like every good kiss you've seen in a movie. I will remember that kiss for the rest of my life. I felt it in my vagina. That kiss was like, it reminded me of what being horny was. And I guess maybe I hadn't felt it in so long. It sparked something in me. That sexual tension and... What is the word for horniness that I want? It's the pilot light in your pussy started up again. Yes. That kiss was like a light switch was flicked. Something turned on and it hasn't turned off. So finally we get to the good bit. When Mel and Mark had sex, she realised that her assumptions that ho-hum sex was all there is were completely wrong. I couldn't get my clothes off fast enough. I was like, I am down for this. This is not what I thought sex was. And all of a sudden, I'm on the phone to my girlfriends being like, I get it now. This is what you've been doing for all these years? I thought we were all doing the other thing and I thought you were all silly. (laughs) Just had no idea. So what was the big difference, Mel? Having someone else focus on you. So the difference is, I believe, my ex-husband was focused on himself and the way Mark makes love or has sex is entirely focused on me. Is there stuff that he does outside of the bedroom that's a turn-on? Yeah. Maybe it's got a lot to do with the fact that he isn't 
the father of my children. But nonetheless, like when we are together, he absolutely carries more of the mental and emotional and even physical load in my house than most men I see in other heterosexual relationships. I feel very taken care of in this relationship. And so then I have room in my heart and my body to initiate sex. A nitty-gritty question. Are your orgasms different? Oh, my gosh. And there are so many different kinds that you can have. Did you know? (laughs) I didn't know. What are you talking about? (laughs) Can you tell us? I just... I mean, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I had a, I have, my hairdresser's going to listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can identify different types of orgasms I have. They start in different parts of my body. It would appear that female ejaculation is a very real thing that happens to me. (laughs) I had to text my girlfriends one night and be like, squirting, that happens. Either that or I have just pissed the bed (laughs) while I was having sex. What's our take? (laughs) Could everyone please just do a quick Google? So, Mel, you don't level up without learning new skills. If you don't mind, can you tell us some of the things that you now do that you didn't before know could be part of pleasure? I guess there's a plethora of things that I would have previously ruled out that it turns out that I'm into. There's kink involved. There is elements of BDSM. There is anal play, which surprised me probably the most. We have probably more sex, like sex quite frequently, which I never would have thought I would have had the time or the energy for, especially having children. There's a lot of toys involved in my sex life now that while I realise might be pretty mainstream for lots of people, I think the difference for me is that I had tried to introduce toys into my marriage and that had been met with a resounding no. Did you want to ring up your ex-husband and tell him that he'd been doing it wrong? I hate to say it, but I see him regularly and I want to every time be like, do you know how bad you are at it? (laughs) Meet Player Two, Alice. Like Mel, Alice thought the bad sex she was having in her unhappy marriage was pretty standard. I knew that something was missing from my sex life, but I didn't know how much better it could be. I only know that now. Alice and her husband of more than a decade had been living overseas, and when they separated, Alice moved back to Australia with the kids. And then Alice completely surprised herself by falling in love with someone very unexpected. She was a really good friend and it was obviously more than that, but I hadn't quite come to terms with it. Because it's a big transition that I didn't expect to happen, I'd never been interested in women before. I have a lot of 
good close girlfriends and I sort of thought that's just how I am friends with girls. I just, I really love them. But then I did start having these feelings towards her and it was very confusing and confronting. I I was Googling stuff like, can you fall in love with a woman after being straight your whole life? Alice and her friend would take regular long walks during lockdown. We're at the beach and we were sitting straddled facing one another and she was talking non-stop because I think she was nervous as well and just talking, talking, talking and I wasn't hearing anything. I was just watching her lips move and needing them to be touching mine. (laughs) So I just said to her, can you please stop talking and kiss me? And um, it was just really beautiful, really soft, but also there was so much passion and energy behind it. Alice was living with her parents and two kids in lockdown, so at first she was very discreet. I'd organise it so the kids would either be in bed or I'd say to my mum and dad, like, can you just watch them? I'm going to go and do my two hours of exercise. We did you know, take drives and end up parking by the beach or whatever. And literally, like, there were some nights where we would just climb into the boot and have the most unbelievable sex. And In the boot? In the boot, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> it really was like being a teenager again. There was even a time where we ran the, we ran the battery flat and we had to call the RACV. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, that's how it all started in the boot. Alice, what was it like the first time she went down on you? (sighs) Um, It was just like an otherworldly experience. It was mind-blowing. I wasn't nervous. I thought that I would be um, the first time, but it just felt really right and natural and like just the normal progression of things. She loves the vulva. So there's none of that feeling that I, I don't know, other women might experience this, but with a, a guy, even with my husband, it often felt like it was a chore. It wasn't something that they really want to do. They're just doing it because they have to. But to be with someone who really loves going down on you, it's, it takes it to a different space. How have your orgasms changed? They go for so long and there's levels within it. So I feel it as in a clitoral level and then I feel it deeper and then I feel it like more inside my stomach and then it kind of emanates out from there all through my whole body. And then I, when it finishes, I come back to reality or something and just burst into laughter. Um, and there's been times where they're so intense, I think I've burst into tears, she's burst into tears, but not, it's more like a release than anything, just like a, wow, that was mind-blowing, oh, my God, tears. Wow. It must feel in some ways that your life can be divided into two halves, the Mm. before good sex and after good sex. One of the differences is that because the sex is so good, we prioritise it. Whereas before, when I was married, and maybe it was because of kids and it's probably very normal, but it wasn't a priority. I'm just saying that does sound like all parents and all people in long-term relationships. It would be like a Saturday afternoon, 
put a movie on for kids, give them a bowl of chips and then quick into the bedroom, you do this, I do that, you come, I come, done. Great, get back to life. Like there was no spontaneity, nothing exciting. It was just like a job, that's what it became, a job that we needed to do, get it done and that was it. I always thought I was a bad kisser but it turns out I had just been kissing the wrong people. Introducing player three, Carrie. Carrie was married for 13 years and separated from her ex for a long time before she went on a date that ended with a life-changing kiss. We both describe it as a real Hollywood movie kiss and it would be one where the camera is spinning around us while we're (laughs) kissing and that is absolutely how it was. And we had that kiss and then he just sort of walked me over the road to my car and I think we were both in shock that it was just so perfect. So we did it again and it just was still perfect. What did that kiss do to you? Full body tingles, shock, just walked away going, what just happened? And we we both were, for both of us, it was just, wow. There you have it. Another kiss that you feel in your underpants area. So how's that pilot light? Whoosh! I think that's chemistry. It's got to be. That's what people, I guess, had always been talking about chemistry. I got to finally experience it and just find a person who was the right fit, the right person for me. The first time they had sex, Carrie realised that this was very different to the sex she'd been having in her marriage. He was just really into my body and just really paying me a lot of attention and all different parts of my body and going slowly and we were not going towards a goal of an orgasm for either of us. It was just the pure enjoyment of each other's bodies and paying me compliments. Carrie and the undie kiss guy are not together anymore, but the next level sex she had is seared onto her memory and she is forever changed. We were together for six years and if you can believe it, the sex, the kissing, everything got better and better and better. We never got bored. There was never a routine. How many times would you have sex? We would do it at least two times a day. That was a minimum, if not three. So always at night, always in the morning, and then maybe an afternoon or twice at night. There was something else that Carrie loved. So a part of us having a perfect fit, hands, mouth, was also um, he was blessed with a very um, well-endowed situation downstairs. Uh, Just as an aside, a great big dick is not for everyone, but Carrie was really into it. The benefits of a large penis is the large number of positions that are open up to you, a whole range of positions that you can do when your penis can basically be in another room (laughs) to where you are. (laughs) Yeah, so that was another way that we were able to keep it interesting and different because... um, Because you'd be in separate rooms. Yeah, he could reach a long way. (laughs) He could reach the Netflix and change the channel and you'd be... (laughs) I'd be making a cup of coffee, yeah. (laughs) It was all good. (laughs) Carrie, did you find new erogenous zones? The chemistry was just so intoxicating that everything felt on fire, but there were things that we did together that no one that I was with beforehand would have considered doing and I myself probably would have thought, oh, that's that's not for me. So um, anal sex and all the butt stuff turns out to be really fun when that's done well. And for me, that just adds another whole dimension of pleasure and it basically brings me to orgasm really fast if that's involved. Carrie, you were together with your ex-husband for 13 years 
Mm-hmm. How many orgasms did you have in that 13 years? Precisely zero with him and some by myself. So what was the sex like? Do you mind talking us through a typical encounter? With my ex-husband, it was really routine and perfunctory, really. It A bit of kissing, a bit of boob fondling, a bit of jackhammer, him on top, him coming, and that's pretty much it. That And that was what it was all the time? All the time. We, you know, occasionally... Even mixing it up was not really mixing it up. The most adventurous would be daytime or me trying on top. But look, it was just, it was solely for his pleasure and he had no real interest. He wasn't really a sexual person, so it didn't get any more exciting than that. Wow. He wasn't, he, <laughs> so, yeah, it's so grim. <laughs> it's, but also, don't you think it's so common? Yeah, I do yeah. think it's common. Yeah. When you think back at that, were you sort of following a script that you thought was, quote, Absolutely. normally? Yeah. yeah. And just what a waste, what a waste of my youth and all that opportunity. But, yes, following a script, trying to make the right sounds, trying to look the right way. I was also, you know, not particularly confident about my body. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to move. Neither of us were obviously good at communicating these things either. So you took a leap, like you took a jump from this really rudimentary, awful kind of sex where mm-hmm. you your needs were barely considered mm-hmm. into this whole new world. Mm-hmm. Did you understand that you were kind of transforming? Like do you did you feel like you were different? Oh, absolutely. The confidence came with me outside of the bedroom. I felt so much better about myself. I took more of an interest in my appearance um, and I would just, I would, you know, that sex was so good it would carry with you throughout the day. Can you ever imagine going back to your ho-hum sex life? No way. I made myself a promise that I have stuck to since if anything in my life is not a fuck yes, it's an absolutely fuck no. So I have had a relationship with a wonderful person who, you know, we had a great time, great friendship, but I just knew in my gut it wasn't right. No, I won't accept anything less than fantastic. All three of the people we spoke to for this episode told us that in the long period of their lives when the sex wasn't much good, they were unable to express what they needed from their partner in order for the sex to be great, or at least better, and even struggled to know what it was they wanted. Mel says that if she could turn back time, she'd have a frank conversation with pre-marriage Mel about the purpose of sex. I'd have to go back right to the beginning and speak to my very young self about pleasure. I think what was missing for me was any value or importance on my pleasure in sex. So you said, you know, you you didn't mind this idea of a monastic lifestyle, a single mum, mm. sort of fairly sexless. Now that you've kind of, like, let the dogs out. <laughs> Worst metaphor ever. Now that you've unleashed this part of yourself, could you, you know, could you imagine that again? No. No. You don't know what you don't know, but then you can't unlearn what you do know. But I do sometimes think, like, let's say things weren't to work out or were to go south and Mark and I were to go our separate ways. Sometimes I do think maybe you can't hit gold twice. 
I think I'll just treat Mark really well. The thing that stands out to me is that in common with all the ladies who levelled up were partners who were into them and emotionally connected and deeply attentive. You are the reason that everybody's there in that room as opposed to being like a worker bee. You're the queen bee instead of a worker bee. Alice reckons that a great place to start on the road to next level sex is next level self-love. Unless you really need to leave your marriage and (laughs) make huge life changes, I think if you're in a happy relationship and you want better sex, I think the first step is more self-love. So I think getting in touch with your self and your own sexuality would be the first step. But if you are stuck on the same boring level of the same boring game and just cannot get to the next one, Carrie says you can't level up with a partner who's not interested in levelling up. So many people are stuck in these relationships. Bad sex is just the start, but, yeah, if anyone's just not sure about it, go out and do it. You deserve better. We all deserve better. This Next Level podcast was produced on the lands of the Turrbal, Gundungara, Bidjigal and Gadigal peoples. Ladies is mixed by mad gamer Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Tamar Cranswick, who hasn't played a video game since the first version of Donkey Kong. Supervising producer is Alex Lolback, who loves smashing ghosts in Luigi's Mansion. And our executive producer is Kyla Slavin. While everyone else is staring at a screen, you can find her in the ocean. The OG game designer for this whole damn thing was Claudine Ryan. Ladies, I know you love kick-ass women. That's why you're here. (laughs) So I want to tell you about a brand new podcast you should check out. It's called Dig, The Sirens Are Coming, and it's about a handful of sex workers who brought down crooked cops and exposed decades-long corruption within the Queensland police force. Dig, The Sirens Are Coming on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.